Hello and welcome to the Pig and Whistle Tales from Azeroth. As always here at the Pig and Whistle Inn in Stormwind, I go through a variety of subjects with regards to World of Warcraft. So grab a bottle or a pint, sit back and enjoy. Today we're going to be going over uh, weekly WoW news. It's obviously been a while since I've done this, but it's not going to be that intense. It's going to be more about... Uh, some hot fixes that they've recently brought to Wrath of Lich King, as well as looking at the Season 1 and raiding schedule for Dragonflight, as the uh, date for the release has now been announced. And, uh, yeah, it's just seeing what we have in store, essentially, in the first months of that expansion. As always, we will start off with the weekly news. So we have Nurgash, Muckformed, Morgeth and Antros as our world bosses for this week. And Antros and uh, the Sepulchre of the First Ones is your fated raid for this week as well. So make sure you hop in there, get your anima, get your conduits, your powers, your gear, absolutely everything that you need to push that. We have Wrath of the Lich King Time Walking, very um, fitting for Wrath of the Lich King Classic, I suppose. So make sure you get your daily or weekly time walking badges and uh, get your mounts if you wish to do so from Wrath of the Lich King time walking. There's some very good ones. Uh, there's kind of like Invincible, I believe, uh, is one of them. But yeah, all very good mounts and very uh, highly sought after. We also have Gravity Labs as our brawl for this week. Gravity Labs being either Storm, every 60 seconds you'll be flung up into the air and you can relocate your character very, very quickly. That makes for a very hectic and chaotic battleground. We have, as our Mythic affixes this week, Sanguine, Storming, Tyrannical and Shrouded. Sanguine being a puddle left on the ground, make sure you move the mobs out of it and make sure you don't stand in it as it will heal them and deal damage to you. We have Storming. These are little uh, whirlwinds. You just want to move out of them. Don't get near them. They're annoying and obnoxious, but it is what it is. It won't kill you, but it might cause you to get killed by boss mechanics as it does knock you up in the air and CC your character essentially for a few seconds. Tyrannical, the bosses and the minions that they spawn have increased health and damage, so just build or bring a boss build essentially. And we have Shrouded, which is the seasonal affix, and this is the Nathrazim are hiding within the mobs in the dungeon. Kill them and gain a bonus stat for the rest of the dungeon. And this can stack up to about 30 odd percent, depending on how many you kill. The spell or the sort of mechanic, I guess this one is, uh, that we're going to be looking at this week is Eclipse. So Eclipse is a druid spell, a moonkin druid spell. And it has had many different properties over its, or uses over its uh, lifespan from Wrath of the Lich King to Shadowlands. So in patch 3.0, it was added back in 2008. Its first change came a few months later. Its buff duration extended to 15 seconds and bonuses were doubled. The cooldown has been increased to 40 seconds as well. This is individual cooldowns. You have individual cooldowns for your lunar and solar eclipse, so... You can proc them back to back, but you can't proc them at the same time. The next change was, once again, a few months later, the benefit of Wrath triggered by casting Starfire has been increased to 30% bonus damage. Uh, next change, again, a few months later, the Starfire and Wrath buffs from this talent are now separate on a 30 second cooldown. In addition, it is not possible to have both active simultaneously. 
because it kind of makes sense. Uh, then it got a small change a little bit uh, after this. This effect uh, will no longer activate again within 15 seconds of either type of Eclipse effect firing. Uh, in addition to the existing 30 second cooldown of each type of Eclipse, uh, Eclipse now grants a 40% critical strike chance to Starfire and 40% increased damage to Wrath up from 30%. So a nice little buff for it. The final change it got in Wrath of the Lich King was that the two buffs granted by the Eclipse talent are now named more clearly Wrath Prox Luna or Wrath Prox uh, Eclipse Luna and Starfire Prox Eclipse Solar. Previously they were both just named Eclipse, which makes sense. You have Solar and Lunar Eclipse. We move into Cataclysm now and it's a completely different system. An Eclipse bar has now been added and the mechanic has been reworked. So what this was is basically you had a bar underneath your mana and it would just slowly go from left to right and uh, it would slowly empower your solar or lunar power uh, abilities essentially until it got to the end. The pointer on the eclipse bar indicates uh, where it goes after the next star surge, which is very good. Um, and then that was it for Cataclysm. That They didn't want to touch that uh, system, I guess. So in Mists, it got redesigned again. Now additionally grants haste and mana. Its previous effect, damage done by your arcane slash nature spells increased by 25%, cancelled when Starfire causes lunar or solar energy to reach zero. This was the previous iteration of it. It got a small hot fix a couple months after this. Star Surge it casts that trigger an eclipse. Now deal the correct amount of damage. I would hope so. <laughs> Wouldn't make any sense if it didn't. We had our final change in Missa Pandaria a whole year later. Now energizes the druid for 50% of their maximum mana when triggered, up from 35%. So does this just give mana whenever you want? Wow, okay, that's something. It got changed in uh, Warlords of Draenor. It was again redesigned. Uh, the haste effect removed, but damage effect has been increased. The previous effect was uh, damage done by your arcane slash nature spells is increased by 15%. When triggered, both lunar and uh, or both lunar and solar eclipse grants 15% spell haste for 15 seconds and energizes you for 50% of your maximum mana. I don't get the mana thing that they had in Missa Pandaria. It was very weird, it seems. Uh, the damage just makes a bit more sense as it is a damage increase and it's kind of like you can rock it whenever you want. It got a couple hot fixes throughout Warlords of Draenor. They were practically on the same day. Uh, they resolved an issue where the Eclipse indicator in the UI can sometimes not match the Druid's current balance power. This is when you would proc an Eclipse. And also resolved an issue where the balance cycle uh, may correctly fo incorrectly force the Druid to stand up. <laughs> what a weird hot fix. That's a, a very strange one. Uh, not too sure about that. And then... After Warlords of Draenor came Legion, and once again, it was a bit redesigned. So it was removed in Legion, uh, including removal of Mastery Total Eclipse, which was just sort of a passive ability that increased damage. Uh, its previous effect, uh, you are inspired by the power of the moon and sun, causing the damage of your lunar and solar spells to be increased by 30%, which is obviously the um, Warlords of Draenor iteration. Uh, this was increased by Mastery. But it obviously, you know, they druids 
The whole point of Druids is to have something like this. It's been kind of a staple point ever since Wrath, and it's been kind of a cool mechanic. It's actually been really fun, to be honest. So in Shadowlands, they brought it back. In BFA, there was nothing to do with it. But yeah, several or a couple years later, actually, no, that is several. Four, four years is several years. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, so in patch 9.0 in Shadowlands, several years later, it was re-added, but redesigned. So it empowers Wrath and Starfire uh, specifically, plus it gained an additional damage from Mastery Total Eclipse. So this iteration, you had to cast two of Wrath or Luna. Um, is it Starfire? No, Starfire. And essentially, after you cast them, you would proc the other Eclipse. So two Starfires would mean that you proc a solar eclipse. Two wraths would mean that you proc a lunar eclipse, and that is the way that it has stayed uh, for the time being. But that is eclipse in its like whole form, essentially. It's very cool. I like the idea of the um, empowering your lunar or solar spells because it gives you a sort of mechanic to deal with when raiding, when PvPing. You can... You know, time it up with some really good burst windows, etc. It it made for a fun mechanic, and these sort of mechanics are what kind of well misses, I think, in a way, for the most part in retail. It's it's good fun. It's good fun, and it's definitely something that is a staple point of Boomkin, in my opinion. For well, like I said, since wow, since two thousand and eight, and they removed it in two thousand sixteen, like eight years later, but it came back. That's how much people wanted it back as well. It's it's good fun. It's a good mechanic to play around with, essentially. So, let's get into the meat and bones of this episode. We're going to be looking at the classic hotfixes at the moment. Uh, this was updated 29th of September. There's uh, a few that have been, you know, reworked and stuff. But I'm going to give my sort of take on the points that I feel is very needed. So we're going to start off with the earliest one since Wrath has been released. So the 27th, uh, there has been a uh, opening of transfers, essentially, from different servers. So you can free transfer off of different servers to avoid queues, to get off your server, all of that stuff again. They've opened that up. And in that time, you're allowed to only take a certain amount of gold with you. So the maximum amount of gold of the in-game currency that can be transferred to another realm is now 500 gold for player characters uh, at level 10 to 30, 2,500 gold at level 31 to 50, and 25,000 gold at level 51 plus. So the way that the, the, the reason why they are doing this is purely because a lot of people um, would exploit this in terms of transferring your character for free in order to sell gold a lot easier this is for mainly selling gold because you would buy heaps of it and it would generally be a level one character that you send over notice that there is no um level one to nine character like range here it is level 10 to 30 you can send like across realm with this amount of gold so a lot of people who sell gold obviously don't use a higher level character because it's not profit or there's no point for them to make another character and level it essentially they would create the character sell the gold delete the character it's probably all on a different uh account as well and stuff like that 
So this is mainly for probably gold selling purposes, like trying to prevent that sort of thing from happening. Because let's face it, if you have 25,000 gold plus, you're going to have a few level, like 51 pluses as well. So you're more than easily going to be able to transfer with all of your gold. Unless you're a multi-millionaire on Wrath, but that's only if people have been doing GDKPs for like, since the dawn of classic essentially um next change is players who enter a battleground while mounted on a flying mount or while shapeshifted into flight form will now return to their flying mount or shapeshift form upon exiting the battleground this one is fun because all throughout um tbc pre-patch i was doing battlegrounds and i was just flying around in uh, outland I would do a battleground, exit the battleground, and I'll just be falling. And if you didn't have anything to stop your fall, if you weren't a druid that can just turn into flight form, if you weren't a mage that had blink or ice block, if you weren't... Actually, what else is there? Maybe a rogue with shadow step if you got lucky and there's a mob underneath you. You know, that kind of thing. You would just fall to your death. Which was quite funny. I did it uh, once because I didn't expect it. Um... Yeah, I'm glad that they fixed that at least. That's very good. Fixed an issue where skill level requirements uh, were not enforced when casting the skinning spell from your spell book. Kind of makes sense. You don't want a level 1 skinner skinning level 450 uh, mobs or whatever. Makes a lot of sense. Fixed an issue causing War Took Iceborne to sometimes disappear during the quest across Transborea. I would understand that that is kind of problematic as the quest mob is just despawning. Fixed an issue in Battle for Undercity where King Varian was attacking an NPC that should not be part of the event. <laughs> that one's uh, quite funny. That one's quite amusing. You just got like this civilian stood there selling leather and Rin just wanders up to him, starts whacking him with a sword and stuff. He goes after all of the vendors who have done nothing. I, f- I find that quite funny. I think that that's very good and should have been kept in. Fixed an issue where the quest mission plagued this, where Gear or Hammer would not offer another flight to players who already had or Hammer's precise- precious bombs in their inventory. Again, this is just another quest fix. Another quest fix as well. Uh, Brewfest and so a few dungeon changes here and raids. We have for Brewfest the Dark Iron Brewer in Blackrock Depths and now correctly uh, will now correctly drop his mug of dire brew when sufficiently drunk bottoms up. It says makes sense, kind of boss mechanic that's important, but with the levels that we are now, you can kind of ignore it because it's kind of a steamroll, Corin. <laughs> Karazan, this one's really good quality of life. Nightbane will no longer require completion of the associated quest line and can now be summoned using the blackened urn object on the balcony by anyone, which is really good, very good quality of life because no one wants to go back and do the old quest lines. Utgard Pinnacle, Galf, Ralph, Ruff. Yeah, should no longer regenerate to full health when flying off if it is not killed within a single pass during Skaldi the Ruthless encounter. This one's good because obviously the way that you do this encounter is you kill some mobs and they drop harpoons and you have to use three or four harpoons to kill the mount that the boss is riding on and then you can kill the boss. Um, if you fire two harpoons at him, he obviously does another circle and can regen health. So that's kind of obnoxious and annoying, but 
At least this got fixed. And Gundrak shall... Sladran should now approximately stop summoning snakes upon death. Oh, appropriately. That's quite funny. Did he just, like, keep spawning snakes? Did you just constantly have snakes to deal with while running throughout the dungeon? That's uh, a bit weird, not going to lie. On the 28th of September, we had a couple of changes. Northrend Adventuring Supplies now have a chance to award ore, leather, cloth, herbs and gems. Reduce the number of consumables awarded from the supplies. Um, Basically, they were too frequent and too good, essentially, uh, is what the developer note said. Um, And alchemists basically were out of a job because you would just be getting so many scrolls, so many elixirs, pots and stuff. Uh, They would basically be out of a job. So, yeah, you can get more cloth or uh, leather, herbs and gems now. Utgard Keep, uh, the door that closes when entering the Scarval Constructor and uh, Dalron, the controller encounter, will now properly open again once they are defeated. (laughs) Oh my god, you just got locked in a dungeon. You literally just got slammed in a room and locked in there for the entirety of uh, your wild like Wrath experience. That's quite good. I enjoy that. Speaking of the... um, Northrend Adventuring Supplies, though. People have been getting mounts from them, which is intended. I know that they have done uh, interviews saying that it is intended. And uh, the way that it is intended is because um, it's for tanks and healers that you can get it from when they do dungeons. And essentially, the they want to promote doing or being a tank or a healer in a dungeon. Now, this is also... Taking into account that we no longer have Dungeon Finder. Uh, This used to give you a satchel upon completion if you were a tank and healer. So this is kind of incorporating that. But the mount is insane. Absolutely insane. To have a chance at a mount, you can get Anzu, you can get Deathbringer's Charge or Deathbringer's Reigns. Yeah. And you can get the Hawkstrider from Magister Terrace. Like this is absolutely crazy that you can get these mounts from these. And one of my friends actually got it. One of my friends actually got the Death like Bringer's Reigns after a dungeon. It was absolutely insane to see. And a lot of people, I think, might get upset over this and be like, well, why do tanks and healers only get the chance at these mounts? Like, why don't we get to as DPS? And the reason that they gave was the queues for DPS are obviously going to be a lot longer because there's a lot more DPS, and everyone complains that there's no tanks and healers, so this is an incentive to get some tanks and healers into the queue, and to basically get your dungeon run undergoing. But, I know for a fact that a lot of DPS will actually start complaining about this change. I feel like there's going to be a whole wave of people going, well, why can't we have the chance of getting a mount? And it's like, well, you're not doing a specific role, you're doing the mass role where there's loads of DPS, there's about 90% DPS, 5% tanks, 5% healers, so you're in the masses, whereas the people who are doing the roles that aren't necessarily as lucrative or as rewarding to them get a little bit more of an incentive because the tank's taking more damage, so his gear's getting hit more and more, so the durability goes down, so he's paying more repair bills. The healer, obviously, is a very stressful role. You're having to keep the entire group alive and those who don't use their cooldowns are like going to be very annoying to heal uh, as well as everyone blames the healer whenever they die, which is a 
stupid reason, by the way. Sometimes the healer isn't good. I will cough up to that. But if you have literally used absolutely everything at your disposal and the healer has, then there's nothing that can be done about it, essentially. You are destined to die in a like fight or whatever. It's it's ludicrous how many people like blame healers. It's hilarious. But yeah, it's to give it more of an incentive to play tanks and healers, which I think is very good and it's a very good um idea, essentially. The drop rate is very low, but I have seen a lot of people get them out of the care packages, essentially, and it's quite fun. It gives me incentive to go and tank and heal, which, you know, is quite rare because I just want to sit there as a giant chicken and press starfall. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's good. It's very good. I like the change that they do there. It's very good. Then a on the 29th of September, we had these hotfixes. Zidormi will now reliably allow players to enter or leave the Battle for Undercity. If you haven't started the Battle for Undercity questlines, you must complete the following quests to enter. Um, Ord is Darkness Stirs and Alliance is Return to Angrathar. Angrathar, oh my god. I had to really go through every syllable for that in my head. We fixed an issue uh, preventing heirlooms, Tome of Cold Weather Flying, Northern Faction Helm Enchant, uh, Arcanums, Sons of Hodir shoulder inscriptions from being transferable to other WoW accounts. Makes sense because you could essentially sell these and that doesn't make sense. It It's meant to be for your characters, for your alts. And yeah, that's that's not fun. I do like the quality of life changes in Wrath actually because uh, the quality of life changes are you can on- you only need one person to have that reputation and then you can send whatever enchant you have over to another character. I th- think you can still use it. I would imagine if you've bought it, you can use it essentially. But yeah, it's really nice quality of life changes and they're very good with it in Wrath essentially. They get that really good um, classic mix with retail kind of quality of life changes it's still hard to get but at the same time it's not going to be you have to do it on every single character that kind of thing so you can focus on other things um brass bowl mecha wrench and arc fire have returned to dalaran to offer their auction house services for grandmaster engineers thank you holy shit i went into dalaran i'm an engineer on my druid i went into dalaran and i was he wasn't there the NPC just wasn't there for the auction house. And I was like, okay, does someone actually have to do something to summon him then? But no, he he was just out of the game. I was so confused because I was like, there's always an NPC here with an auction house for engineers. But yeah, thank God that is um back in the game. Because that was annoying to log out, get something on another character, like one thing, and then log back in, etc. So thank God that they're back. The Master Summoner Staff quest from Destroying the Altars has been increased to 100%. Oh, okay. I'm guessing there was a very low drop rate on it and there's a lot of people farming it and not many that not many mobs. So it kind of makes sense that they up the drop rate. They might drop this down later on when there's a lot less people levelling, but we will have to wait and see. Uh, issue fi- and Fixed an issue with the Slumbering King where Queen Angaboda... Angaboda? Angaboda? Yeah. Could have failed to respawn after being defeated under very specific circumstances. So essentially she just never respawned. Very good. Uh, 
great game. Good old spaghetti code right there. Uh, fixed an issue where players could disconnect when jumping in the pool after battling the Prophet uh, Tharonja in Drak Tharon Keep. I know it. I know the pool. I haven't been DC'd by it, but I did that yesterday, which is when these hot fixes went out. So I'm kind of curious um, if that is still a problem or not, but it doesn't seem to be. Uh, I've had a lot of DCs over the past like few days since Wrath has been out. It's something. I'll just jump around randomly in DC. You know, it's one of them things. It's the server's going crazy and it's not necessarily something that you're going to be enjoying, but I just feel sorry for those who DC on like a really high pop server, like the American servers, like Benedictus, I think is one of them, and then have to wait in an 11k queue. It's it's not fun at all. So that is sort of the Wrath hotfixes for the moment. Let us move on to the final part of the episode, and that is the Dragonflight Season 1 raid schedule. So with Dragonflight being released, and it's... Um, Let's take a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative a construction off the <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now like raid schedule being released as well it's going to be another bad year for raiders essentially like the start of shadowlands uh it's going to be during christmas i'm afraid so Dragonflight releases end of November. I believe it was 26th uh, it was being released. And this is how the following like raid schedule looks. So the week of December 12th, Normal and Heroic uh, and Mythic Vault of uh, the incarnate, Incarnates will open with the weekly maintenance for each region. Week of December 19th, Vault of uh, Incarnates Raid Finder Wing 1 opens. The, then there's a small break until the turn of the year. So January 2nd, uh, 2023, Raid Finder Wing 2 opens. And then two weeks later, January 16th, the Raid Finder Wing 3 opens. So we're going to have a Mythic uh, or Race to World first during Christmas, essentially. Now, it might not happen all the way up to Christmas, but... It's going to be tough. Um, the last time that they did this, uh, they opened normal and mythic, or normal and heroic, and then the week after they opened mythic. So they would have uh, opened mythic on the nineteenth of December, which would have led into Christmas, which no one wants. So by the, giving them the extra week, they're kind of hoping the the mythic race to well first, even though it's not an official sort of um, wow race is it going to be over by the time Christmas hits, you know, Christmas Eve and stuff? I would imagine it is. I would imagine people get the opportunity to walk in there and, you know, have some good fun with it. Maybe it will end by the 20th, give them a week or so, give them a full reset. 
and stuff like that. But opening them all on the same week is going to be tough because they'll need to do normal, then possibly heroic, and then mythic, just to gear characters. So that'll be very tough for them. And I do not envy them. I really don't. What they do is hardcore, really hardcore in terms of their race the world first. Good luck to all of them, but Jesus, I can't imagine doing that. That's insane. The cross-fraction Mythic and Hall of Fame eligibility. So this is huge. A lot of, um, you obviously have the top 50 Alliance guilds, top 50 Hall guilds that do the raids. And essentially, once you've done it, you go into the Hall of Fame. But now, let's see what they say. Cross-fraction Mythic Vault of the Incarnates will be available from the start. Hall of Fame entries will require at least 16 out of 20 raiders to be from the same guild and faction to be eligible for rewards. Okay. How does this work then? How does this work? Because essentially what you're going to need is, or what you can do is four people can be alliance in a horde group or vice versa, horde in an alliance group. But as long as everyone's in the same guild for the Horde group, then it's fine. Because you can't do cross-faction guilds yet, I'm pretty sure, right? I feel like that needs to be implemented very soon, because that will make cross-faction, like Mythic and Hall of Fame eligibility to be so much easier. It, it wouldn't require so many like stupid um, circumstances like 16 out of 20 raiders etc it's just yeah you're all in the same guild that's good enough for us it's one of them things but it's going to be weird to see some people might miss out on this purely on the basis that they don't have the numbers of people wanting to play the same faction or someone's going to have to give up the faction that they want to play etc you know it's one of them things uh, we have a new dungeon rotation for season one of Dragonflight. So we have uh, uh, for Mythic Plus, four dungeons from Dragonflight are included and four returning from previous expansions. So we have Ruby Life Pools, the Knockhud Offensive, the Azure Vault and Algeth's, Algathar's Academy. These are Dragonflight ones, obviously. Oh, oh, this is good. So we have Halls of Valor, which I always enjoyed. We have Court of Stars from Legion as uh, uh, two others in Mythic Plus. Shadow Moon Burial Grounds and Temple of the Jade Serpent. Uh, Shadow Moon Burial Grounds is from Wad and Temple is from Mists. I love to see the old dungeons get implemented into Mythic Plus. I think that is such a good idea and it is something that really should keep going. I would like to see the classic ones put in eventually, but a lot of them are very linear uh, in their design, so there's not a lot that you can do, essentially. Kind of like Grimrail Depot. Uh, it's just a straight line. It's very tough to actually, like, perfect it. Or not very tough to perfect it, tough to enhance it further from where it already is, essentially. So we'll see. But that's really good. I like the start that they're doing here. Um... Mythic Plus and PvP season will also begin on the 12th of December with regional maintenance. For Dragonflight, the item level rewards from completing Mythic Plus will not be capped on the first week as Mythic Vault of the Incarnates will open at the same time. That's huge. 
the inspiration catalyst now or used uh, to turn non-set pieces of the appropriate slot into a new set piece of the same item level will be later in season one. Kind of makes sense. Mythic dungeon affixes. So for season one, we're introducing a new affix, but the necrotic and inspiring affix will be not will not be making an appearance, which is really good. These are some of the most hated uh, affixes, and it's good to see them go, essentially. But we do not know what the new affix is. We're just going to have to wait and see on that. A rewarding new season ahead. Uh, it's basically yeah, talking about cutting edge and uh, you know keystone achievements, mythic plus rewards. Uh, they'll release all of this closer to the start of season one so that you can have a look. But it's looking good. It's looking promising, Dragonflight. And Wrath is obviously very fun. I'm enjoying it a lot right now. It's... Yeah, it's Wrath of the Lich King. It's a nostalgia hit for me. It's basically the expansion I remember starting in, even though I think I started in TBC, but I started to get the hang of uh, WoW in Wrath of the Lich King when I was younger. So it's a massive nostalgia trip for me, and it's it's great. Both of these expansions are looking to be amazing. I know Wrath will be, but you know it's dependent on how you feel about it. <laughs> but yeah. That is it for this week. Be sure to check out the Patreon podcast for ad-free content. Be sure to check out the Twitch and YouTube. Constant stuff happening over there. Once again, thank you all very much for listening. And go with Valor, friend. Goodbye, all.